Welcome to the Gain, Grow, Retain podcast. So I'm going to try and help us maybe navigate some things that we've talked about previously or things that I feel like we can answer elsewhere and try and focus on some of these topics that look like can be hard hitting, that we can be actionable with. And so one that I wanted to start out with was from Corinne. So I'm going to ask Corinne maybe to come off of mute and give us a little bit more context, but her question centered around what are some strategies to break into a cold account? Um, so Corinne, maybe give us a little bit of context uh, just as what the situation you're going through is or how you thought about this question. Does anything that would uh, paint a little bit of color would be awesome. Yeah, sure. And thanks, Jeff. Hi, everyone. Corinne Goldberg here. Um, I'm a CSM with Slack. Um, and I was just mulling over, generally speaking, how to break into a cold account. So there's been circumstances where I might have had an executive business review with a the customer. There's a lot of momentum. There's a joint success plan that's developed. And then priorities change within their business internally. They go completely dark and there's nothing that can be done or it feels like there's nothing that can be done to to kind of reignite their interest. Um, so I'd love to hear from the community about strategies to, to manage that or to navigate that, anything that's worked well, um, anything to bear in mind. I think Danny Oreck had a great idea around um, like possibly finding or bringing to light an outage or some sort of um, disruption to service to get access, um, but managing that obviously carefully is important to bear in mind. So I'll pause there. Awesome. Yeah, that's helpful. So uh, I'm going to ask you a follow-up question, but before I do that, uh, if you do want to, if you have a response, if you want to um, get your hand raised, go click on your participant window, bottom right-hand corner, there should be a raise hand feature. Um, we're going to try and run this in an orderly fashion uh, as close as possible. So uh, participant window, bottom right-hand corner, raise hand, and we'll, we'll get you called on. Um, but Corinne, maybe one other follow-up question I'd have for you is, um, do you feel like you've already, for the most part, are you, do you typically have a relationship with these customers already? Um, you know, is it like you've already established something and it's kind of gone cold or is this also uh, a scenario where you might not even have a relationship standing and so you don't even know how to break in from the beginning or is it one or both of those? Yeah, great question. I think both would be valuable. Number one, you have a relationship, you've had something like an EBR, there's that relationship built and then they go silent. And number two, breaking into a cold account where you might have a contact in IT, but not across the business and you're looking to build those relationships to, to expand. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that's helpful. Perfect. Well, um, Bertel, it looks like you've got your hand raised. What are, uh, what are some of your thoughts here to help out Corinne? So um, I got to know we have a framework called a challenger, uh, which is really exciting. It's a way to essentially um, pull the, uh, to take the client and put his finger into the plug and just create a kind of a shock by, um, uh, by actually reaching out to something very disruptive. And often on, we find out that thinking outside the box helps. The way we do that at Gartner is if you have um, a user in uh, a client who is not a champion, who is not a heavy user, who is not power, yeah, we recommend usually to create an org chart of the overall company, or if it's too large, the business unit, and try to find out who, who is power and reaching out to this person. Uh, in five touches, uh, five campaigns, uh, email, LinkedIn, and and we uh, with a two to five day, three to five days gap, following up with these people. When it comes to, uh, and this is really high level, diving into a little more the strategy if you want, well, thirty minutes after the call. But when it comes to, when it comes to a client who became cold, often on we find out that it's because either he or she no longer see the value into your product or just has new responsibilities and kind of has forgotten about you. And so a way to do that is to identify how much he's using, what has been used and reaching out to this person to realign uh, what his or hers 
what is top of mind for this person, for the user, and identified what we are missing on our existing product. For Slack, for example, maybe there is a new feature that you would like to introduce to this person or any form of insight that is valuable to the end user more than to the end user than the Slack, if it makes sense. I like, the, I like your point about reaching out during multiple multiple channels, right? Like I think that's something that we've started to do at Higher Logic here as well is that we've, we've identified it's not enough just for us to send an email, right? We've got to send an email, a phone call, uh, a LinkedIn message. We have product messages we can send. We've got our community, we have webinar, right? So we've, we've started to list out essentially all the channels that we could communicate with a customer and try and understand during this situation, like which ones of those channels make sense for us to reach out to and like in which cadence. Um, so similar, like what you mentioned there, uh, Bertle, one, one question too, I think maybe where Corinne's also going from is Bertle, how in some situations, uh, right now, are you trying to maybe redirect or get back kind of the customer back into your product as, as part of their solution, right? So uh, I think Corinne's example might be, Hey, you know, they have different priorities now. And so the priorities have changed and, and they don't necessarily see our product as part of that. Like, is there anything that you think of Bertle as you're going into some of those conversations that, uh, help orient and say, hey, we can help with, with the solution or we can help with where with you're going if you give us, you know, if you kind of let us into that partnership kind of conversation, uh, discussion, so to speak. You know, we, we all are made of good and bad habits. And usually I'm just talking for myself when I'm using Slack, I'm using Slack just for one specific feature and kind of turn a blind eye on what is available. When uh, Gartner is paying for a service, such as for example, Sales Navigator, not to put any brands, but just a concrete example, we're always focusing on part of the feature that is the most interesting to us, but kind of forget the rest. And, and then suddenly when our priority shift, we think, oh, well, Slack is no longer about what is top of mind for me because this is how I used to use this product, but now I no longer need that. And so currently your role will be just to say, hi Jeff, this is how you've been using historically the product. Let's realign what's top of mind for you. Did you know that Slack is not only about X, Y, Z, but you can as well leverage Slack to do ABC. And that sounds much more aligned with uh, what is top of mind for you. So realign with additional value and feature that have, might have been missed during the SKO or during his or her day-to-day -day use. Awesome, I like that. And um, one other thing that I would maybe attach to that as well, um, Corinne, is if you have the opportunity to go talk with any of your sales counterparts, I would say a lot of times they're, they're doing a lot of objection handling in the sales process. And so they might be thinking about some of these scenarios, maybe, you know, uh, it, it doesn't align with where we're going. It doesn't align with strategic priorities. And so they might even have some, um, I don't want to say canned responses, but they might just have, have some examples that you can draw upon in those situations as well to kind of leverage some of the, the objection handling and some of the sales skills that they've had to develop. So uh, that's another thing I'd maybe throw in there to think about um, as well, is that they could be a resource in this type of situation. Um, Kevin Leonar, thanks Bertle. Kevin Leonar, looks like you got your hand raised. What are some of your thoughts here? Uh, yeah, so um, a couple of things uh, when it comes to when you have a account that already has a relationship uh, built and they're starting to go dark. Uh, one of the things that I like uh, to do, one of my colleagues does it a little bit more bluntly uh, than than I do, but it's it's pretty cool. Basically, that joint plan that you have, um, she sends it back to her customer and writes a bit big in red what changed. Now I'm a little bit uh, I'm a little bit more laid back than that. Uh, what I would do is I'll send that same thing and I say, look, um, we haven't really talked much about this uh, plan in a while. Um, is this still important to you? Um, and usually that that garners a response. Um, a lot of times, just like uh, Bertel said, is that they have a uh, change in uh, priorities. Um, so one of the things that I've also been able to do when that happens is 
talk to them about, well, it's still important to you, but it's not important to your role currently. Who else in your team would be responsible for, for driving these, uh, these KPIs? And then work with them and then still tie back the original stakeholder that I was working with and tell them, hey, this is what we've uh, worked on so far. Uh, we're still driving the value of what you originally purchased with us. And uh, these are the uh, initiatives that we're going to be uh, engage a dark account on that. Um, one of the things that I've used uh, is a, uh, a settings review. Um, typically what I'll say is, uh, hey, I've been assigned to your account. I'm looking at uh, some of your settings and realize that we haven't changed anything in your settings since you started. Um, has your business changed over the last couple of years where this uh, settings would probably not be uh, efficient enough for where you are in business today. And that's usually um, a conversation that, uh, or it starts to get the juices flowing where it's like, oh, where was I two years ago versus where I am today? And how would I want our software to be able to fit into the mold of what we're trying to accomplish today? And that's a, a great way to be able to re-engage a, a dark account. Awesome. I love those examples, uh, Kevin, especially the first one going back to the success plan. Um, I think that's something that we try and, and rely on as well very heavily, which is, hey, what's changed in the success plan or what hasn't? And how do we bring everything back to that so that they understand this is a living, breathing document that you know we're updating, that this should be concurrent with where they're going. Um, it should also be beneficial to them. Like I think sometimes we think about success plans as being beneficial to our company, right, as the vendor, but really it should be, hey, can you go use this success plan internally at your company to go talk about things you need to? Can you can you actually take this internally and talk about the strategic initiatives that you're working on? And if not, then we've missed the mark on the success plan and what it what it's meant to do, because it's supposed to help drive and foster that communication for them. Um, and then Kevin, I like the other point too about just trying to get some discussion going. How do you, you know, get some settings, uh, talk about some of the best practices maybe that they haven't uh, thought of, maybe that they've changed. Uh, we've got new perspective that we can introduce, so I like those a lot. Um, David, I don't want to mispronounce your last name, so I'm going to ask you to, is it Nidohin? Nidohin, yeah, pretty good. Nidohin, all right, yeah. awesome. David, so, appreciate you having here. Uh, what, what are some of your thoughts here for, for yeah. Ben? Yeah, uh, thanks. It's uh, first time joining this live. I've listened to lots of the podcast, so I thought I would just jump in. Um, we have a relatively small company, but we deal with large enterprise customers. And so for us, a lot of the times the conversation is, oh, that's great that it works for them, but you know, is that really going to work for us? So one of our strategies is always making sure that we have industry use cases or success stories that are aligned with that type of customer and being able to show exactly what that time to value looks like to reach that and saying, Hey, you know, I, you know, I'd like to talk to you about this. Here's a use case or a story. Maybe that's been publicized. I'd like you to show you how we actually got to there and align that with their industry. So, you know, it kind of ties into the sales go to market strategy to make sure we're aligned there. So if we can't find an industry use case. Maybe it's not the right contact to begin with, but if it's aligned with our go to market strategy, we probably have stories and how we actually got to that value with another customer that we can say, I'd like you, you know, like to show you how we got there with that customer. And all of a sudden it becomes personal for them saying, oh yeah, I want to do what they did. And that that's one strategy to open the doors to that conversation. I love that. Uh, we, we have started to scratch the surface uh, at HireLogic and doing that as well. And just trying to, there's so much power in the peer to peer connection. Cause then uh, if they're, say you have a contact at that company and they're willing then to actually talk about some of the things that they've done. Uh, it creates this connection that you can then, uh, benefit from down the line, right? Like you kind of helped bring these people together if there's an actual personal relationship they get to build. Um, but I, I love the idea of just trying to pull in as many examples uh, internally as well. I think 
you know, again, Grant, I'm, I'm hoping that given that you're at Slack, there's probably multiple cases for you to be able to, to rely upon, you know, of, of use cases and uh, to David's point, you know, how this is kind of folding into some of their priorities and some of the strategies that they have. So uh, that's a great one. Thanks, David. Awesome. Um, Corinne, any, is that helpful? Anything else stick out for you? Yeah, that was really, really helpful. Oh, thank you guys. All um, great strategies. Yeah. Awesome. Perfect. Well, let's move. Uh, we'll kind of hit on our next topic uh, that I pulled out and it was anonymous. So if you did ask this question or put it in there and you want to come off of mute just for a minute uh, and kind of give context, just throw, uh, throw your name in the chat. Just say it's me um, and I'll, I'll find you. But uh, it's, it's gaining traction on high value but underused features. So um, thinking about, you know, we're engaging with customers. There are things that could be high value for them that they should be doing, could be doing, but they're not really taking advantage of those. So how do you go gain traction? Um, a little bit, you know, a little bit different than Corinne's, uh, you know, Corinne's conversation was around kind of success plans. How do you get some momentum uh, getting back with some of the, the key stakeholders? This is a little bit more about in the product, how we're we getting some of the, uh, the features that they should be using, but they're underutilized, they're high value. So um, if anybody did ask this question or throw it in there, let me know. Um, and I will pull you off mute, but otherwise we're gonna, we're gonna tick forward. Nathan, looks like you've got some, your hand raised. Good to see you again. What's, uh, what are some of your thoughts here? Yeah, um, so this is a great question actually. <laughs> I was, I've seen it a little bit lower on the list and I was like, oh, this should really get talked about. Um, yeah, I, I think this is, a, this is something that we run into um, often. So I work for a, a dental uh, communication software where we have tons of features, like we've got tons of tools to use. And one of the things that we've realized is that like we understand the value of these things. We understand the value that they bring um, the customers. Um, but the thing is that we have to kind of figure out is who is the user, who's our champions, and figuring out that information allows us to figure out how we position um, our reach outs on these, right? So it's good. It's one thing to say, hey, this is a high value tool, use it. Um, it if it doesn't connect with the person who's using it, they're not going to get it. <laughs> they're going to be like, cool. Yeah, I don't care. It doesn't affect me or it doesn't affect my job. It doesn't make me look good to my boss or to anyone else. So why on earth would I use it? Um, there's no investment. But if you can figure out what their goals are, and then you can frame that feature, that tool and how it does help them in maybe the short term or the long term, that can be one of those major tools where understanding who they are will allow for you to get them to commit or connect you with the person that needs to be connected with you. Um, for example, like insurance, uh, a lot of dental offices will have an, an insurance coordinator and they'll have a, like a scheduling coordinator. If you try to pitch this scheduling coordinator insurance thing, she's going to be like, I, I don't care. Or if you're going to pitch the insurance person, a scheduling thing, they're going to be like, again, I don't care. So figuring out like who those people are in the office really is a, like, a way to like make sure that you're targeting the right information to the right people that are going to care about it and then connect in. Oh yeah, this is important to us as a business. And they're going to see the value come out of it for their specific job. And then as a whole, if you're talking about a business owner, um, organization owner, you can say, Hey, look, the value is there. Right. And so, uh, figuring out who those people are though, is like our number one step to getting, um, that change management happening to actually pull the trigger on. Yes. Let's use that feature, that tool. Love it, Nathan. Uh, even Bryce, Bryce gave you a heart shout out there. Um, he, he threw up a couple of stickers for you, but, um, I love, love that point, right? We have to know who we're talking to. And the thing that really resonated with me that you mentioned is around how are we telling the story and getting the point across to that person, right? So often I think we think about the feature and just say, Hey, here's what it does. Um, not why do we want to do it, how we go do it, uh, what it's going to, like you said, what, what story is going to tell internally for them, uh, what it's really going to help them accomplish as it goes to their goal. Um, so I think that's a huge point is just thinking about the story uh, and the change management behind that. Are they going to have to go get, if they go do this, are they going to have to go get buy-in from their company? Are they going to have to go get buy-in from other users, right? Like there's other complications that potentially could come. So how are you thinking about those uh, and establishing some of that? So uh, I think it's a great one. Uh, Ashley, looks like you've got your hand raised in a nice 
cup of hot coffee or hot tea, hopefully. <laughs> I do. Um, it's still coffee, even though it's noon for me. Um, <laughs> what are some of your thoughts here? Yeah, no, I think Nathan, I mean, nailed a couple of things. I like that you mentioned change management. Um, for us, I guess to expand on that is, you know, we do a quarterly release. So there was the spring release. I had multiple clients right back. You know, we got this from product marketing. It's so cool. What do we do with it? Um, and so that's a really good feedback to share with your product marketing or marketing team, whoever's sending out those announcements so that they can be tailored to it. Cause if you don't have complete control over it. Um, but so what I started to do now is I wasn't as prepared for the spring one, but is basically making sure I'll know what those features are kind of ahead of time and like prepping some specific use cases so that when the product feature is announced, I can follow up more personally with a, and by the way, this is how it relates to, so like you could do it by industry or whatever works for your business or by user type, like you were saying, um, but kind of having concrete examples and like use cases, even though it takes a little bit of time, I think it works because, you know, it's hard to answer the, it's so cool. What do we do with it? If it's a brand new feature that maybe you don't know or haven't been trained on that well also, it's definitely kind of a challenge. So just trying to get ahead of that curve. Um, and also second point really quick to add is trying to automate it a little bit. Um, so we use Turn Zero. So we have the events um, when people use certain features in the tool. So I help set up kind of a, um, I guess like a play it's called. So basically it's, it doesn't necessarily notify them because I didn't want it to, like, so notifying us or notifying the CSMs of, hey, this person is using this a lot, or hey, this person hasn't used this in a month, depending on what your typical usage is like, um, is, and depending on maybe you do, you know, have it send an email to the customer, but for us, it makes sense. Just let me know that they're not using it, then I'll figure out the way to reach out that's best. Um, so I'd say look and see what kind of automation, if any, can, you know, help you get more insights about what they're actually using um, and try and prepare some specific use cases if I had to narrow it down. Love it. Thank you. That's perfect, Ashley. And um, so one thing that we're rolling out at um, Higher Logic here pretty soon. Uh, so I came in as the director of customer experience here. And I think one of the things that we're rolling out is uh, this concept of having like a communications clearinghouse. Um, and the idea is that the perfect example you gave, Ashley, is, you know, um, kind of product comes to this clearinghouse and says, hey, we want to be releasing this feature soon. It's in, you know, it's coming out for release in a month. And then um, it's kind of on this clearinghouse, which is a multifunction team of like marketing, customer success, uh, some of our customer facing teams and support and kind of coming together and saying, okay, what's going to happen when we release this, right? What are all the different types of channels we can communicate? What are the stories? How do we connect this with our customers? All those kinds of things get, get thought about. So I love that um, example and then automate where you can, right? Like there, if there's advantage, if there's advantages where you can take, you know, do that, uh, you can kind of automate some of the internal communication or even the external pieces, uh, you know, certainly try and take an advantage. But I think the, the one thing that always sticks with me as well is just still try and make it personal to sub segments where you can, right? So don't just automate it or genericize it for the entire customer base. Like how can you kind of make it specific to some of those, I think what Ashley is pointing out, right? Some of those sub segments um, or vertical industries or user types, like, so just trying to use some of those segmentation levers um, to help drive some of that message. So uh, I love that example too. Um, Jordan Denton, looks like you've got your hand raised. What are some of your thoughts? Yeah, and not to go backwards, but Jeff, to piggyback off what you said and to Korean, sometimes if we have a release coming or we're doing user testing and we really just need to try and grab someone at the last effort, reach out and ask if they want to do the product user testing with us and sometimes that'll capture them. But coming back to the current topic, we approach this from a few different ways. One, we do what we call tip of the weeks. So every week we release a one to two minute video highlighting some feature. So if there's a feature that's not getting usage that we want to point out, we'll make that the tip of the week. Or if there's a feature that, you know, that we know this is the time of the year they should be using it, doing a quick video on that. We've also done um, kind of cohort groups. So if there's a feature that someone's using really well, having them lead cohort groups. So putting in people that are using that feature well, 
people who maybe aren't using it much so that if it's their colleagues basically saying, here's how we're using this at our company, then maybe hearing those stories from their colleagues and not from us also makes a difference there. Um, and then we typically turn those cohorts into Slack channels so that they can continue those conversations about how to most effectively use those features even beyond that one meeting. I love that. That's such a, speaks to my core about like community and peer to peer discussion, you know, kind of keeping that going. So um, I think that's such a, a good one. And I love the the point you made too, back for Corinne, right? That's a potential way to kind of reach out and say, Hey, do some user testing with us. Hey, we have some things coming out um, that we'd love to get you involved in, you know, kind of re-energizes them and the relationship probably makes them feel a little special. So um, I think that's such a, a good one. Thank you for that, Jordan. That was great. Um, Scott Hopper, how are you doing today? And, I'm doing uh, good. What's, what's um, your th thoughts here? Yeah, I mean, one one challenge can can often be that it's a great feature and they'd love to use it, but you may need to find out if there's some limiting factors, especially in the enterprise. Um, we had implemented uh, an ID Vault uh, feature, which at that point in time was very high value for a lot of large organizations. You know. Many organizations spend an awful lot of time on uh, ID and password resets. So it was something that was incredibly high value, um, especially uh, with my customer, the IBM environment, which was over 400,000 IDs out there. So the challenge was they weren't using it because one or two things that they felt they needed wasn't there. So it was a question of really understanding those things and getting back to product and getting them into the next maintenance release to get them going on it. And then, you know, it's a wonderful story at that point because you're, you're, you're using this at, at scale. Yeah. Yeah. I love the, I love that example. And, um, you know, it brings up to me too, just the, the point that you mentioned around like the, the scale of it and thinking about, much more than just releasing a feature, right? There's there's maybe some objections behind the scenes or there's some change management that they would have to go do in order to actually use it or fully adopt it. And so um, kind of going back a little bit, bridging with Corinne's idea or Corinne's topic, right? Like how do we make sure we're having those right conversations where we can understand whether this is usable or not for them right now? And then, you know, how do you then go um, get that in terms of like motivating people beyond, uh, beyond that as well? So I think it's a good point, Scott. Um, Jay, looks like you've got your hand raised and then we'll, uh, we'll hit on you and then maybe move, move to the next topic. What are some of your thoughts here? Thanks, Jeff. Uh, uh, you know, I think uh, one of the things that we, uh, you know, we do, uh, I, I, I've done this in my previous organization also now I work with Oracle. Uh, so we, what we do what is called as an adoption assessment. So we tend to understand from that adoption assessment of different customers, we tend to understand a lot of use cases. Now, uh, what we normally see is some of those features which uh, uh, some of our customers would have initially uh, asked for or, or uh, uh, had some kind of wish list is actually added as new features, but they don't uh, really know about it in spite of us, you know, sending uh, mailers or what have you. Uh, but then using this adoption assessment exercise, we actually showcase those use cases and, uh, you know, tell the customer, you know, these are, uh, these, these are the features that are available for you. And these, this is how you can use it uh, in, in certain way. Incidentally enough, I was, I was actually having a discussion earlier, uh, earlier today um, where we were actually looking at one of my customers is, uh, you know, who have been using our uh, products for about two, uh, two and a half, three years. And uh, they had implemented it, uh, you know, late 2017. And uh, the, the product, uh, you know, has, has improved an awful lot since then, right? So we were actually looking at, you know, different use cases, how to help the customer. Initially, there was a use case which they tended to use, 
and now they are they are looking at uh, you know how, how do we how do we look at a different use case for the same feature which has improved right so we are looking at uh, uh, doing such exercises so i think one of the ways to even look at um, you know improving uh, these underused features would be to assess you know how their existing uh, use case would be and to improve that use case in a in a, in a with a different or a slightly different use case maybe that would be one of the ways that uh, you could look at yeah i love the way you just frame that up too of just having like a an exercise around it, right? Or kind of having this audit maybe that you think about doing and that you can yeah. uh, legitimize it a little bit more and saying, hey, you're not using this, here are examples of why you should, but kind of putting that into some sort of documentation that helps kind of drive yeah. uh, drive that home. And I think having a framework then that you can use for other features down the line, right? Like hopefully this framework you can kind of use throughout customer base, you can also use across the product. So I think it's a great example. Uh, thank you, Jay. Awesome, all right, well, we're gonna move on uh, to the next topic. We've got about 10 minutes left, so I think we can hit on uh, one, maybe two if it's quick, but we'll, uh, one question that was in the Slido that I thought was really interesting was around um, customer health internally. I think Bertle, this might've been your question. So if you have some thoughts and wanna drive some, uh, just more clarity around this, that would be great. But one of the early things that came to mind for me is uh, oftentimes I think, um, you know, when we're using customer health, sometimes it might get misconstrued internally. It might, uh, you know, there's got, there's some context that we always wanna provide as customer success managers, right? Around why it's red or why it's yellow, what's happening? Uh, have we re-engaged? There's so much context that needs to be provided. So you can't necessarily just look at a score of 50 and just immediately say, oh my God, that's a red customer, what's gonna happen? So I'm curious, how, how do you all help communicate internally when we're thinking about some of these health scores? Um, and then Bertel, real quick, I'd love to see if there's anything else that you were looking to get out of that question or, or some of the context as to, to why you had thrown this in there. No, I think that for um, my vision of customer success, regardless how they are being um, compensated or their role is to become, is becoming a central, the most important growth engine in an organization and the most central position. That's what I'm excited about customer success. I think that we have, um, when it comes to um, this, how do you, um, how do you share internally health? The customer's health internally is key because then we need to be able to become the voice of the customer and be able to work with our product team, the marketing team, and so on to articulate why customers are in danger of canceling. And I'm trying to understand the best, the, how to, the best way to share a concrete update internally. Uh, I had a conversation during our little breakup with uh, Ashley who mentioned, we spoke briefly about automation. And as you said, Jeff, it's there is so much we can do, but this is just raw data and how to make decisions, smart decisions at the top. And I'm trying to wrap my head around that, if it makes awesome. sense. Yeah, yeah, no, it does, that's helpful. Um, I think there's, you know, internally, we need to make decisions, we need to help, we need to bring in other teams potentially, we need to be including more people. And so uh, there has to be some action that we can drive behind the, the health score. Uh, and also, again, the context, which I think is also important. Uh, Jessica, it looks like you've got your hand raised. What are some of your, your thoughts here as you think about internally communicating health score? Sure. So I'm happy to share what we do. I don't know that it's the best. I'm happy to get feedback on why maybe it could change, but this, this is, is what we do. I love this. Learning out loud. So I love this. We, um, we're a small group and I have about 30 total clients. So we um, have a, a leadership meeting every Monday and share that as a written report, I say, here are the 30 clients and here's their health score. They know what um, that lower is better in the tool that we use and they know, or at least have access to have it's to that health score. Um, and then it is saved week over week in a document so that they can see trends if they wanted to. Um, I don't get a ton of questions. I have gotten one or two that says, oh, look, this one went up or down or, or what's going on here. But it's usually most a, just a keeping people in the loop informed on the same page of where 
where the clients are and that we are actively using a barometer for health. Yeah, um, that's an awesome example. I think I would imagine some people in here can relate to that in terms of just having some sort of Excel doc or Word doc that you're keeping track of um, with customers. You know, one thing that we're doing um, here as well, we're kind of, uh, we are not using our health score right now just because it's gotten to a place where it's not actionable. And I think that's the big thing for us. Like how do we make it something that you can actually go improve that you can drive some sort of action. So we're not necessarily using it, but we, what we have been doing is having meetings to talk about um, customers and some of the things that are concerning to them right now or opportunities or things that are happening in the market so that we can actually get content back out to them um, that will be beneficial and start driving that conversation. So one thing, um, Jessica, that I would be interested in, I don't know if you guys think about this, but as part of that health score uh, in that meeting that you're doing, are you guys all surfacing ways to improve health scores or you know, is it is it more of a, an informed meeting? I, I think of meetings in three ways. There's either alignment that's happening, we're just informing somebody that something's happening or there's a decision that we're making. So it seems to me like this is really an informed meeting where you're just kind of informing, hey, here's the scores. Uh, but I'd be curious, how come, you know, how come you don't think about decisions to be made from there, how to pull in other teams, how to pull in other resources that you need, um, or is that where you're going? I'm kind of curious just on the, that process for you guys right now. So the meeting I was talking about is my leadership team of the company. Oh, okay. So it's not just the client success team. Got it. So that would be more where we would talk about needs. Got it. Okay, cool. Um, and that's, that's another point that, um, and I'm going to look for some raised hands here in a minute or else I'm going to start calling on folks. Um, but that's a, a good point that we are trying to, to look at as well is that you can, um, talk with your other customer success managers so that you all can also see if there's trends or things that you're seeing together that you can then kind of bucket as potential challenges to go work on, uh, in tandem. So, um, awesome. Any other examples for customer health internally going once? I normally never ask a question to a large group because no one's going to jump out there and answer, but I did that one time. Gabriel, good to see your smiling face. What are some of your thoughts? Uh, you did not raise your hand, but I'm going to call on you just for a minute because I know you've got a challenge because I know you've got a ton of customers. I know you're managing a little bit of a kind of a, a small to medium sized team or SMB type team where you've got a ton of accounts. So how, are, how do you think about some of this health internally for you, especially given that you probably don't have the opportunity to go have some one-on-one -on -one relationship with these customers and you can't really drive a success plan, so to speak? Yeah. Um, yeah. So 10 second background. I have a portfolio of about 1300 customers and I am the, I, I oversee the network and then I have two agents that help me out. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's been rough. And one of the questions I put in, in the slider was how do you prioritize projects and scaling things when the money isn't there to add more people, but the work is growing. Um, so what we do and we actually are going to start to do this in about a month is that because of the type of service that we provide, which is a healthcare benefit, we have a way for people to submit complaints and we gauge a lot of like the health score based on the number of complaints we're getting per account. Um, cause we get them, we have like a B2B and B2C type of situation. Um, so we have finally been able to clean up our CRM enough where we can get reports and see how many complaints each of the different healthcare facilities that are using our service are submitting. And that is a huge, um, way for us to, to see where they're at. Um, we also, so we basically try to see like the biggest data points that we have out there. Um, what can we get into our Tableau system and report on it? And what I do, although it's not ideal, is that I pick uh, top 15 and bottom 15 to, to keep a close eye on. And so top 15, we want to keep them there 
and make sure that they're performing at a high rate, they're using our system, they're happy with us, they're, we're communicating with them consistently. Um, on top of that, we have our segments and our higher segments, we communicate with them regularly. Um, and then the bottom 15, we're trying to get them out of there. So there's a whole lot in the middle that we're not interacting with. I have about 500 clients that were assigned to me when I joined a year ago in a week that I have not spoken with, <laughs> but um, I'm trying to get those bottom ones out. And so we have biweekly meetings where we're trying to strategize on who are our high profile people that we need to, we need to pay close attention to and talk to our other teams because the work that we do with drivers and so on, it really is dependent on the other teams. So pretty much that's the strategy with Strengths of Health Score. We look at those two big data points, which is our on-time performance for the drivers and the grievances that we get, and then top 15, bottom 15, trying to get those out and consist every two weeks checking that out. I was on mute myself, sorry. Um, yeah. That's a great, I love the example. And I think this is the situation that we find ourselves into. We're, we're going through a similar thing, uh, Gabriel, where we've got thousands of customers now. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm gonna, I'll reach out to you because I've got some ideas that we're about to implement that could be similar to what you're doing. But I like the idea, right? At least let's hone in on one or two metrics. Let's make it really easyable, easy and actionable for us to go do these things um, and understand where the risk is and where, you know, where do we feel comfortable? Where's the risk? And what do we know is just gonna maybe exit the business anyways. And if we can start articulating that, um, then you can find the projects that move beneath the right needles at the right times, hopefully. Hey guys, thanks so much for taking the time to listen to the Gain, Grow, Retain podcast. If you liked what you heard, please take a moment and share the podcast with your friends and colleagues and subscribe. We really appreciate it. Talk to you soon.